Welcome to another episode of E-Commerce on Tap, brought to you by Sourceify. I'm your host, Nathan Resnick. Please like and subscribe. We're super excited for today's guest, and here we go. Today we have Heyment from Digicom. I am so excited to have you on because you are the go-to kind of digital marketing expert. And just before we were talking about iOS's update and what's happening in the world. So I want to just dive in. What do you foresee happening with this iOS update and how is that affecting e-commerce brands? First, I just wanted to start off and say thank you for having me on the show. Super excited to be here. I've been following your podcast. A lot of amazing information to entrepreneurs and business owners out there. So Again, thank you for having me. In terms of your question with iOS, if you think back to the pre-iOS days, a lot of users or a lot of like advertising platforms, you could get out there, market, and then see all these like conversion events fire for you. And all of that was great. It was like a golden era of running, rising across Meta, Twitter, Pinterest, all these paid social platforms. And then as soon as this iOS hit, what ended up happening is for a lot of businesses on platform, say typically on a week, you see a hundred transactions occur, right? A hundred conversions occur. And 80% of those conversions came from an iOS user. So you saw 80 conversions of the hundred. Right. What ends up happening is iOS goes into effect. And now those 80 conversions that Facebook might've been reporting is down to 40. And so e-commerce brands are sitting there and they're just like, oh my God. Like our CPAs have just skyrocketed. But the truth is what's actually happening is that it's not that you can't see the conversions. Those conversions are occurring. And the way to look at that is look at your source of truth, whether you're on Shopify, total conversion volume, or you're in Google analytics, you'll see 70 to 80 of those conversions still occur, but on platform, you're seeing 40. So it's not that the conversions weren't occurring or are not occurring at the moment. It's that. They're not being tracked because Apple's not allowing you to track. A follow-up question to that is you've been doing this for a while. So you've been through book when you probably get in CPAs for five, 10 bucks, right? And I read your background, hey man, and you've been in this industry for 10 plus years or so. So I guess I'm curious, let's try to predict the future a little bit here. Do you think this is because Apple's creating their own ad platform and what will that potentially look like? Or is Apple just trying to create more of a moat around and compete with Facebook? And I don't know why they're doing that. So I think there've been like some articles like, oh, Apple's creating their own platform and they're coming out to compete. And sure, that might be true and might be a reason. And they have more first party data because of all the iOS users out there, that might be part of it, but also a big part of Apple in general, like their brand, it's all about privacy and security, right? Even if we go back a few years where like the FBI wanted information and have Apple crack their phone and they just didn't allow it. So I think it's more around them keeping true to this whole privacy business model. Yeah, I think it's more around that than creating an ad platform. Also, if Apple wanted to create an ad platform, Post iOS, I think we would have already seen it. It's been like a year and a half, right? Like yeah. Apple has its own app store where you can run search ads and whatnot to download apps, but haven't seen a full rollout of a platform where we can advertise right. in different ways. And maybe it's coming in the future, but right. this second would stick to, for me personally, it's more around the privacy. Got it. Makes sense. So it's not a hard, yes, they're going to launch their own ad platform. It's because their brand revolves around privacy. That makes sense. I want to jump back because when you started in digital marketing and e-commerce, what were the main channels? Instagram wasn't really a thing back then. Was it just Facebook and 
native ads and, and whatnot, or how have you seen that evolve? And my follow-up question to that is what you're seeing on TikTok, because I know a lot of brands that use Sourceify are seeing a lot of growth on TikTok, but I personally am concerned that I think TikTok's going to get banned in America. I don't think we're going to have TikTok in the States anymore. Yeah. So I think I'll start like digital kind of stemmed a lot from Google, right? Like the whole PPC movement, but that was serving ads with intent, right? So like every user searching for a specific thing, a doctor near me, those respective doctors in the area can now serve their Google ads. And then Facebook came out with its ad platform and CPMs were so low back in the day, which was amazing. So it just made a digital marketer's life way easier. Yeah. What Facebook essentially allowed you to do is serve ads to people that maybe didn't even know they wanted the product or the ad. And they have a ton of data. They built data segments. Of course, the whole Cambridge Analytica thing happened and we saw loss in data segment. But they allowed you to serve ads to folks like similar to just watching TV and it's like, oh man, there's an ad being served. And then that algorithm got more and more advanced where it's like, if I'm looking up, if I'm looking for fridges or if I'm looking for a meal subscription box, then I'm only getting ads by meal subscription boxes, which is that evolution. And then, yeah, now we have TikTok. And so TikTok video content, it's been blowing up for the last few years. TikTok is just beating records on user adoption and getting advertisers to start to advertise on there. But I think a couple important things that we've seen with TikTok. So First and foremost, it's super important for brands to have great content that's not paid content on their pages, right? Talking about what their brand is solving, super important, getting engagement there. Once a couple of those videos start to go viral, then you can take those videos, repurpose them on TikTok, and then start advertising. Now, TikTok also has come a long way. A year ago, their pixel was... Tracking users based on like single session, last touch purchasers. And now there's like actual proper attribution occurring, right? Where instead of you seeing a TikTok ad a year ago, clicking on it, making that purchase right away and getting the credit. Now their pixel has just gotten better in the sense where there's a seven day attribution window. So, you know, your ads are doing something and more than just driving traffic to your site. So they've come a long way in terms of TikTok getting banned. Yeah, I think just last week or the week before there, there was a bill being pushed through to ban TikTok. Can this happen? Will it happen? I don't have a glass ball. I'm not sure, but will it impact a lot of advertisers? Yeah, of course, because right now it's so cheap to advertise on TikTok. It's like the early stages of Facebook where CPMs are five bucks, 10 bucks, 15 bucks versus you take that same user segment, you're on meta, those CPMs are probably 40 to double, 40% or double, you know, what we're seeing on. Makes a lot of sense. That's what I've heard is like TikTok now is the early days of what Facebook was. Curious, you talked a bit about creative and how important that is on TikTok. For an e-commerce brand, what percent of their marketing ad spend do you think they should allocate to creative content? And I've heard across the board, I'm close friends with the founder of Dr. Squatch and they multi six figures on top of the funnel creative and they're now a massive brand. But when they were starting yep. out, obviously they didn't have that budget. And there's other brands that are using platforms like Grin that are doing kind of more influencer marketing UGC. How does a brand navigate and set a budget in this market of how much should we actually spend on creative? Great question. There's two ways to think about it. It's, hey, what are we going to pay for content development? And 
what percentage of the budget is that? And we can delve down all different types of numbers. But right now for brands, especially like in 2023, right now, it's January, 2023, what's important for a lot of these brands, it's controlling cap. It's just so imperative for these brands to be able to do that because we have a recession, there's inflation. There are a lot of brands with a ton of inventory that they're just looking to get rid of. And how do you control that kind of CPA? And a big part of what I think is happening in 2023 is instead of growth at all costs, which has been dialing down since last year, it's right. how do we get to, what's the road to profitability? Or for a lot of these venture back clients, it's how do we improve run rate? And so a big part of that is testing through UGC, influencer creative, branded creatives here and there, they're, they're working. It's not like they're not totally working. It just depends on the style and the brand. But in addition to that, it's also looking at like landing pages, right? So a big part of what we like to do at Digicom is spend 15 to 20% of the budget testing audiences, testing the new creatives that are being developed. Right. Um, and that can segment into, hey, we have influencer creatives. We're going to use 5% of the budget this month or to test influencer. And if as soon as we start to find some of these influencer creatives work, start scaling that or testing sponsored content, like articles that are developed. And we do a lot of this in-house on our publication. We create advertorial-based content. It's sponsored content. We do reviews on the products. Of course, we get the products. We understand what it is, why users need them. And then run ads from our publication instead of it coming from a brand and mixing that into it, like 15 to 20% is where I like to stay. If you go a lot higher than that, the issue is if CPAs are high, so you're spending 30 to 40%, it looks like your CPAs are ballooned. And so to control that for us to constantly learn, if you're within that 15 to 20% parameter, you can get the insights, find the winners, break them out into their own campaigns and scale over time. Got it. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I want to learn more about Digicom in terms of what's the ideal customer profile? What kind of customers are you working with right now? Maybe if you can tell us more about Digicom and how you started and what most of your customer base looks like. Sure. So a little bit information on myself. I started getting involved in growth about 14 years ago. The way I started was watching YouTube videos, building a couple websites, getting a couple clients, running Google ads for them. A few years later, ended up working at American Express as a consultant on the platinum. Got a lot of insights onto like email marketing and then direct mail. Ran some display over there, but really managed agency relationships. Went over to the street.com down on Wall Street for Jim Cramer and really started getting my hands and feet, the dirt, managing mm -hmm. campaigns, helping build the products around that, looking at conversion rates, diving into data. From there, I went to an agency where I was employee number eight, eventually built a team of 32 and the business scaled from 10 million to about a hundred million in three and a half years. Got a lot of experience working directly with HelloFresh, BarkBox, Splendid Spoon, Saqqara Life, Babbel. Got worked with a lot of these giant D2C brands when they were in their nascent stages, hands to keyboard, running their media, helping them with optimization. As I was doing this, I thought to jump over to consulting and consulted and worked with a bunch of different brands and happy to say, Digicom, we've grown quite a bit from 21 to 23. We doubled our revenue. We managed about 10 million in media spend across a number of different ad platforms. And I guess what kind of sets us apart and why clients like Kindra, OneSkin, the Mayfair Group, Umami Card, the Wildflower have worked with us is because we've been able to scale their brands quite a bit. Some of our brands are seeing like 500% growth and 
not every brand grows at that speed. So I don't right. want to falsely say this happens in every single case, but a lot of the times we've been able to grow a lot of brands several hundred percent. And the reason is we do a lot of things in-house, right? Our business model, it's to work with a lot of these D2C e-com brands. And instead of that D2C e-com brand going out and trying to find a head of growth, a creative agency, a media buyer, somebody to help them do their budgeting and planning, each, each headcount costs like 3K to 5K. At the end of the day, it's maybe $20,000 in head. We give our clients a very scalable model where it's a 5K retainer or 10% of media spend. We'll do your budgeting and planning with you. We're in your Slack channels. We're in your marketing meetings. Nice. We are developing the creatives for you. We need base assets to work off of. We can create videos. We can create statics. We can create GIFs. We can tap into influencer platforms, repurpose yeah. all of these creatives. And then also provide information to run your landing page. Test. That's how we've been able to grow these partners. So you're fully integrated. That's awesome. One of the questions that always comes up as I talk to people that have helped grow major e-com brands, you mentioned BarkBox, or it's just so interesting how timing comes to play with that. And I'm really curious, and it's a question that I've discussed closely with a lot of friends is if you went out to create a BarkBox or a similar product today, you think you'd be able to have as much success as they did during that time, giving their market timing. Cause my kind of belief as a founder is that market timing is so important. You've got to look at what tailwinds your business has versus what headwinds you have. And I think e-commerce has gotten a lot harder, right? I'm not saying you can't be successful, but I'm saying that you have to really navigate it. I think with a community driven approach, brands that really started with a community or started with an influencer that were able to have a lot of success very early on. And so I'm curious from your perspective, how important does timing play a role? And maybe on top of that, a follow-up question to how important is timing is what approach would you take to starting and scaling a brand today? Yeah, timing is very important, right? For example, if you're trying to launch a new brand in Q4 and your CPMs are say $80, you have to have a very high conversion rate and click-through rate to make those CPAs make any sense versus if you launch in say January, CPMs are at, are at their lowest. So you get a lot of leverage to test at a much cheaper cost. So from just a paid ad perspective alone in how much it costs to run media, timing is very important. Other things like right now, if you're looking to build a D2C brand and you're going out to raise money for it, it's very difficult out there. Mm -hmm. Talk to our own partners. We've talked to new brands. Uh, and with all of the external factors going on, it is challenging. Now, that doesn't mean it can't be done. I think if you're launching a brand that solves a specific problem and you're starting off with a niche and you have some media and market you're already learning, that can be advantageous versus going after a really large market where there are a lot of players because your competition is just so much higher. Figuring out messaging can become more challenging just because it's costing you so much more to figure all of that out. Totally, totally. It makes a lot of sense. I want to wrap up here with kind of the famous last question that we ask on e-commerce on tap. And it is, what is one question that I didn't ask that you think I should ask? And then you, you get to answer it. Cool. I guess for where we are in 2023, like we're early on, it's what's going on in D2C. And we touched on it a little bit, but overall what we've seen, the pandemic happened, we saw e-commerce companies scale to the moon, but the challenges these e-commerce companies ran into is inventory, shipping costs went way, way up. And then 
you get out of the pandemic or we're on the way out, what's happening right now. iOS happened, so we lost tracking. And it's very important for e-commerce business owners to understand that they should, while they're looking at things happening on the ad platforms, mm -hmm. also be looking at total business. Very important because you might spend, say, arbitrary example, a hundred bucks uh, in media and all of it is spent on Facebook. And before iOS, you were seeing 10 conversions. So your CPAs were 10 bucks. Post iOS, you're seeing five conversions. So now your CPAs are 20 bucks. But in the back end, if you're still seeing eight or nine or 10 conversions, that means your media is still being effective. So you're understanding what CAC is for your business, like as a whole. Sure, there are other channels that you know you'll add into it. But as long as your business is in an efficiency area, you can keep pushing and the third part of it is with venture capital money, uh, I don't want to say drying up, but just being more mm -hmm. cognizant of the macro factors of what's going on. It's important to control CAC and how are you going to do it? That's by testing, testing creatives. There's a lot of automation happening in optimizations, but testing strong creative and ensuring that your pages can convert. Those two things can help increase click-through rate and conversion rate to offset these higher media buying costs that we're seeing across the now norm platforms. Totally. It makes a lot of sense. Hey man, thanks for coming on e-commerce on tap. Where can people find you? You guys can find me on digicom.io. Uh, yep. That's the best place to find me. Awesome. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate you.